Birds with Friends is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they are able to get you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. And let me tell you just how easy it is to use GameTime. It is one, two taps, two taps. That's how easy it is. And the Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bowen, Sheila, and the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins till Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo and Shuka Potty are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings i'm gonna have the rest of my life with these kids wow (laughs) we gotta get that in a drop uh immediately there's no editing no no editing on this podcast that's the one rule of birds with friends no editing (laughs) hello everybody and welcome to birds with friends bo wolf shil kapadia zach berman here on a tuesday night gentlemen how are you same as I am every Tuesday night. Hashtag you? how is Sheil? Uh, I'm a little bit um, unnerved, I would say. I was down here in my basement recording um, an episode for a different podcast. Oh, really? Well, okay. let, this is not what you think it is. This is the same podcast you appeared on earlier this oh, week. in which you, In which you did not give a shout out to Birds with Friends. And I was sitting here, you know, going through the conversation and I looked... Over and there, in my uh, view, Uh-oh. a dead mouse. Uh oh. Yeah. So, uh, so I feel I feel unsafe in my envi- in my environment. I mean, I got rid of the mouse, but I uh, it, it's a little bit uh, you know a little little tingly over here. Never just one, my friend. Well, that's exactly right. That's that's what that's what I'm worried about. So, okay. what worries you more, the dead mouse or those those bugs? in the media room that that are getting on your nerves right now what worries me more or what annoys me more either one what worries me more is the mice because it's in my house uh the bugs are just such a nuisance on my daily life it's for the i mean we may have talked about it and uh, you know this is uh first world problems and sports writer complaints and all that but uh, the the eagles media house is just littered with these stink bugs. It's disgusting. And like you will you will be driving home and one will just appear in your car because it somehow glommed onto your jacket as you were leaving because they're just all over the wall of the of the place in the Novicare complex. It's disgusting. Sounds disgusting. Yeah, yes. Bo was actually uh thankful last week, was it, when yeah. the weather was getting colder. And he's like, uh, wow, we're freezing away the bugs. Yeah, that was great. Bring on bring on winter. Gets rid of the mice, hopefully, too. 
Maybe not. All right, let's talk about this team that is uh, just so annoying to talk about right now. Well, that's the problem. Is I'm happy to talk about mice because I feel like uh, every conversation about this five and five mediocre Eagles team uh, is sort of the same and brings us back to the same place. But we will do it nonetheless. We will have our bird on the street. We will have Shields Squall Twenty Two. I've got a two can you as we open up Capadia Week, Eagles versus Seahawks, and uh, and that'll do it for this episode. So. Uh, the big news on this Tuesday, the extension for another homegrown, really important member of the long-term Eagles franchise, Rick Lovato. Zach, what did you make of the deal? Well, I don't consider him homegrown, by the way. Wasn't yeah, he in, right. in Washington first? Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess you're right. Yeah, but no, I uh, I really enjoyed your article on the Lovato signing. Thank you very much. Uh, did you catch everybody, that one? Everybody should check that out. Uh, I think I did catch it. Yes. Uh, yeah. The, the in-depth analysis that, that people are turning to the athletic to, to receive. Um, a lot no, of people I, saying this is why I subscribe to the athletic. <laughs> I, I did. I did laugh when I read that. I am. Uh, I'm not surprised by this. Uh, you know, and I, I, I don't think this is gonna be the last extension that you see in I these next few weeks. And, and, and Lovato hasn't, well, I don't know how to evaluate the long snapper position, other than the fact that there hasn't been any botched long snaps this year. Uh, they did have a point last season where they did bring in some long snapper workouts to, I think, put some heat on Lovato, but it's been good this year. Clearly, the, the team's happy with him, or else they wouldn't have given him a, a four-year extension. It, it's uh, That's about as much analysis as I can give you. It gives you <laughs> stability. It gives you stability at the position. He uh, had big shoes to fill, and even though he uh, might not one day write a book, maybe he will. I, I, I don't know, but uh, they have him here to stay. The, the most insight I can give you into Rick Lovato is, that, is the, the uh, comment he made um, about the fake field goal when he said he was trying to snap the ball to Jake Elliott so that he could catch the ball on the laces. That is the level of precision we're talking about here. That's that is mind blowing. That's 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 a good anecdote. He he also has a Lombardi Trophy tattooed on his rib cage after winning the Super Bowl. Shield, as a national writer, where where what is your understanding of where Lovato ranks among the thirty-two long snappers in the league? Oh, sorry. Are we are we still on? I fell asleep there during the uh, <laughs> the the first part of this. I, I'm try. I was trying to think. If there's anything I could care about less than this, <laughs> I mean, come on, let's, let's, uh, listen. I know this is a uh, maddeningly frustrating team, and they're boring, and we have the same conversations over and over again. But like, uh, I mean, all Roman, um, what, what's the ticket one? All these sponsors are just going to be ditching us left and right if we continue. Even a second more. With uh, Roman, we'll call him. Uh, we'll call him a different word. We'll call him a r- word that rhymes with Rick Lovato. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Roman's not in for this episode, so don't worry about it. Um, well, got a new free pub there. That means they're doing a good job. That's right. Um, okay, uh, Zach, why don't you tell us what else actually happened that uh, we need to talk about over the last couple of days? 
So the last couple days since uh, since the game, not too much. Lane Johnson's in the concussion protocol. Uh, there's as, as as we discussed after the game, this is out of his hands in in the sense that there's a five step protocol needs to be cleared by an independent neurologist. It's not something he can try to gut through per se. Uh, it's it's out of the team and and the players' hands. Uh, Andre Dillard is going to be the right tackle if Johnson doesn't play. That's a question that that you followed up with, dug on to make sure that the right team, that the right tackle snaps with the first team offense this week. And that is correct; they are with the first team offense this week. Yeah, well, he was giving me a little guff. You thought that was a, the fair, a right thing to do, right? Because he had left it sort of open. I thought when he said he's going to get snaps there. I am always in favor of being as specific as possible. Okay. So yes, uh, and and then. Uh, in the locker room today, Jay Ajayi spoke. We heard from um, Jay. The accent off and on, as expected. Really delightful. Yeah. So he was saying that he was cleared in August and then has, has just kind of been waiting for the right opportunity. And what better opportunity than a place where he won the Super Bowl and he knows the offense and, and so on and so forth. I forgot uh, how Sh- he's a big guy. I forgot how big of a he guy is. he is. He's like he, wide. He's wide and tall. Wide thick. Is he tall? He's pretty tall compared to the other running backs. Well, Jordan Howard's uh, a tall running back. He, he's known for kind of that up, upright style. But, yeah, certainly, I mean, Ajayi's not short. He, the Ajayi he's thing not, is so weird. Like, what is his role here if, if, if Jordan Howard is not dead? Uh, well, he, he How do they make, he, like, what, they're going to force feed him, like, you know, five touches a game? I think he's he's Jordan Howard insurance and an interesting thing. He doesn't here, strike it, me as a guy who's going to be happy to be here. Just like uh, break glass in case of emergency, in case Jordan Howard is is still injured. And otherwise, I'm happy. I'm happy to sit on the bench. Do they have? Do they still have a pro personnel? Staff well, that's the, like. Can we did, talk about this? Like, uh, dude, uh, isn't isn't the job? Aren't there people getting paid to scour every practice squad? Every roster, yeah. every, every nook and cranny of the earth to make sure you have the best 53 players on your team. And I feel like specifically at running back, uh, this this position that is... I think not, the Jordan Matthews signing is a little bit worse, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, but that is not valued anywhere in the league. There is nobody you like on any of those, any of those practice squads that say, you know what, uh, maybe we bring this guy in and... Maybe they're part of our team next year. Maybe they can give us a little juice on special teams. Maybe there's something that they do well other than Jay Ajayi who couldn't <laughs> get on a team. What's the, what date is it? It's Thanksgiving, and no one has taken a look at this guy. He hasn't and even practiced he yet. He obviously has a, you know, I like Jay Ajayi. He did a great job during the Super Bowl season. I thought he was pleasant to be around. He cut I out liked, mushrooms. I liked watching him play. He cut out mushrooms. He had a wonderful chef, but... <laughs> I mean, and, and don't tell me he's familiar with this scheme. I mean, it's every, a running team, back. every team runs, you know, for the most part, the same schemes. It's not like you're going to like a, a Ravens team with this, you know, the, the most diverse run game in the NFL. Like there should be a running back out there who knows the scheme isolated. Is it the biggest deal? No, but it's just another general annoyance with how this roster is being put together. When you combine that with, like you said, Jordan Matthews. I mean, I know we'll get to the squall 22, but like Carson Wentz was throwing balls to Jordan Matthews 
that like other receivers he's played with, he would not even look in their direction if they were in the same situation. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, he, Jordan that back, Matthews, that back, that back shoulder one that he dropped along he's the getting sideline, blanketed, pushed out of bounds, and Carson Wentz, all right, jump ball time, baby, go get it. <laughs> what is going on with this team? I mean, we've talked about this before. It, it does feel like the quarterback has guys he will trust to go to and guys he will not go to. Like that first third down, that was Stefan Gilmore on Jordan Matthews, was it not? <laughs> In man coverage, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yes. Near the yes. left sideline? Yes. Like that's, yeah. that's the matchup we're going to? Oh, my gosh. This, I think it's just I literally just finished the all 22 like an hour ago. Okay. And I'm watching this team. Just yeah, you sound like you're, you're pent up. You've got some stuff to get off. Your yeah, I, I just uh, I don't know. But anyway, so sorry. so one interesting <laughs> nugget with Jay Jai, this was first reported, I believe, by Ian Rappaport uh, at, <laughs> at the NFL Network was that the Eagles have a right of first refusal in his contract for next season, which is an unusual. I, I, I can't recall many times where I've, I've seen this. Uh, so I don't know if, if they're viewing it as like an insurance policy in case Jordan Howard walks, I, I, I mean, clearly they wanted that in there for a reason and it's abnormal enough for it to stand out. So I found that interesting. I, a, a right of first refusal. So what, if another team wants to sign him, they can match it. It's like a restricted free agent. Is that what we're talking about? Or am I, I think so. Yeah, that's without my understanding. The, without the compensation part. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, JHI's camp is, is right. like whatever you want. I, you know what my read on that is? My read on that is they, they weren't going to sign him on that Friday because they hadn't seen him practice yet, and, and they would have just bumped up D'Angelo Henderson, Zach's boy, and the, their agent was like, oh, like, you know, <laughs> come on, please, just sign him. We want to prove that he can be on a roster. And then so they were like, okay, well, fine. If we give you that, then give us this. Well, I, I don't know who his agent is, but his agent's been doing work because it's been like eight weeks of, you know, reporters telling me that uh, this guy's ready to go and no team giving him a look. So whatever that's worth. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had workouts, I believe, this year with the Cardinals and the Colts. Does that Colts, sound right? Yeah, yeah definitely. The, the Colts and, was definitely one of them. And the Cardinals were uh, was one of them as well. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I'm not as like opposed to it as you guys are at this point in the season, uh, because I, I do think that they're looking for Jordan Howard insurance. I, I mean, uh, Miles Sanders and, and Boston Scott, you really didn't have, have, have much pile pushing there. So uh, different style running backs. Uh, they, they have, I mean, they, they signed Boston Scott around this time last year, a little later on, off the Saints practice yeah. squad. There you go. Give me, exactly. some, give me a move like that. Yeah, so so there are guys like that. I, I mean, I didn't watch the um, the Lions game, but I saw a Bo uh, Scarborough was their top running back. Oh, he looked and, good. Yeah, and and I believe he's he's been on their roster all, all year. But this is the type of player who was on practice squad who was on a practice squad last year. So certainly, if you look at practice squads, you can find guys like that. Um, yes, but I, I do think they were looking for. Jordan Howard insurance with this signing. What's sure. what's that thing they have? The cohabitation matrix. Yes. I mean, well, they throw, lost. Throw, they lost. They lost half the league when Joe Douglas left. So. Well, really, throw that thing out the window and only sign players who no one has. I mean, <laughs> yeah. has any connection to. The way you're doing it is not working. Let's try the other way. So, by the way, right. I I was wrong on Bo Scarborough. He was 
signed to the Lions practice squad on November 6th, promoted to the active roster on November 16th, and then had 55, and then had 55 rushing yards yeah. uh, with basically what, like a week and a half. Yeah. Even yeah, with, with the big, team, strong, powerful man. He's a pilot. Yeah. Yeah. So that that goes to both your points that this is a position where, I mean, it's it's not like you're you're keeping them in the film room till like, two a.m. Like, what do you think they're paying the system. Not that it matters, but like. I haven't seen the contract. My guess, is the, my guess is the minimum with some incentives. I, I don't know. He had a 23-yard run, Bo Scarborough. Oh, this is good. This will, this will give me a reason to, when I have to watch a Lions game the rest of the way, uh, what do I have to pay attention <laughs> on Thanksgiving? Oh, you yeah, know? there you go. Uh, I will be firing off tweets. The Eagles could have had this guy. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Uh, you know what? This this sort of brings to mind a, a discussion I wanted to have that I think is sort of uh, depressing about this this Eagles team. Wait, I guess most conversations about this team are pretty depressing. But uh, go through the roster. Like we all agree that this this team is is not good enough. Go through the roster. What like what uh, positions do you realistically expect that the starter is going to be different in 2020 than it is in 2019? I don't know. That feels like a it's like a, a week sixteen activity. Well, it's a pretty short list. Like on offense, uh, wide receiver. If you say, but but really though, like Jeffrey and and Jackson are both signed through next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that that uh, slot, slot. Is gonna yeah, be okay. slots so, a lot. So slot is one. Uh, left tackle. Uh, if you want to just say Dillard over Peters, that's fine. Okay. Uh, I don't think running back is going to be different, and that's the offense. Your number two running back might be different. Okay, well, so, that's not a starter. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, Miles Sanders. Yeah, I, I don't know if Jordan Howard's on the on the team next year um, or I not. So Miles be. Sanders might be your starter next. You year. might be worse at running back. You than might be mean. worse. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, is a this has been a pretty good uh, overall rushing attack on defense. Um, probably, I mean, maybe one of the defensive tackles, but it'll probably just be Malik Jackson. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The yeah, linebackers, maybe. maybe they'll add one guy. Uh, do well, I don't they, know. They don't have any of the. I, I mean, uh, Nate Gary's the only one under contract. Well, I guess yeah. Nigel's, under, Nigel's contract, under contract. High price. Uh, do high they price. replace Rodney McLeod? I don't. My given the way that they do everything else, probably not. And is Malcolm here next year? Ooh, I, well, that's a good question. I think he probably is, but we don't know that. I um, mean, Malcolm is is going to want a new deal if he's back next year. Yeah. So, and then uh, probably one of Mills or Darby will not be back. But Do you know like who's offensively, where the problem is, there's not much change coming down the pike. Yeah, one, one slot receiver. That's, that's interesting. Uh, do you know who leads the NFL in tackles this year? Uh, Jordan Hicks? I mean, I, I, I'm Is that right? I like, knew that he led the NFL in, in defensive snaps played. That, that's right. And I was not a big uh, Jordan Hicks guy. I thought, I think he had his best year when we were gone, Bo. Yeah. I think that was... 2016 and so we got uh we got back and i was just like this guy's fine you know he had some injury issues even when he played i didn't think he was great he has 111 tackles uh (laughs) career high this is through 11 games career high eight tackles for loss career high six quarterback hits tied a career high uh one and a half sacks two forced fumbles 
three interceptions. <laughs> wow. Every every week that he's uh, he's doing something, it's incredible. That defense isn't very good, so maybe it's overrated. I'm not watching their film uh, every week, but last week specifically was a was an interesting week to just see ex Eagles making plays around the league from uh, Jordan Hicks to Kenyon Barner returned a punt for yeah. a touchdown. I don't know if you saw that. And I feel like there was one other one uh, I was thinking about. But anyway. Yeah. That's all I got. Well, I mean, if you're only going to bring back uh, guys who have been on the team, you might as well bring the ones back who are, who are going to be good. Uh, I, I didn't think they should have brought back Jordan Hicks. Yeah, it was, I didn't really think so. Either. Well, well he, he really got paid, but, but that's more of a question of, of positional value um, because – Jordan Hicks is, he was a really productive player. You guys weren't here in 2016, but he had five interceptions that year. And he's, he's one of those players who just like would make difference making plays, whether it was forced fumble and a, a sack at an opportune time, obviously the interceptions. Um, he's, he's not one of these guys who like, you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game and was like, whoa, he got those numbers. Like he made real noticeable plays when he was here. Yeah, but that was 2016. In 2017 and 2018, he had zero interceptions. He had zero forced fumbles. I felt like he didn't make a play at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the in the opener last, I mean, I'm not. I don't want to make this a Jordan uh, defending Jordan Howard podcast. <laughs> That's true. He had that. He play had that huge pick, sack right? up up. Oh, well, sack. And he had okay. a huge sack up the middle against uh, against Matt Ryan. Okay. I, I feel like Jordan Hicks really liked you, Zach. <laughs> just observing uh, your guys' interactions for two years. Yeah, Jordan and I uh, did. We uh, did get along. I mean, okay. Oh. So you got to gas him up a little bit. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not suggesting <laughs> Zach that. Zach and Jordan sit again a tree. Okay. Uh, Zach, anything else from the coordinators today? Well, Mike Rowe, uh, and this got a lot of attention. I I didn't think it was a huge deal, but. Mike Rowe didn't think it was like a fair characterization that Nelson Aguilar has regressed or is not playing as well as he did before. Yeah, but what's um, he going to say? Yeah, that. so, I mean, he could answer that question differently, but he's, he's not going to bury Aguilar. Um, his, his point was that they kind of have asked him to do a lot of different things here. Uh, Jim Schwartz, it was a great Jim Schwartz moment. He was, he was like uh, so fascinated by Jack McCaffrey's tape recorder. Oh, really? <laughs> and explain uh, to the people so, what that yeah. thing looks like. So Jack McCaffrey, what a relic uh, of time has, has a, a, just a, a big, like old school tape recorder that like always a push gets button. To, like, yes. It's like a, a Walkman. If you're in your yeah, mid thirties, like, like a really big yeah. Walkman. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jim Schwartz was saying that, uh, back in, you know, the old days, so to speak, he used to have one of those when he was watching film, so he wouldn't have to write down notes. And somewhere in his house, he just has like boxes of cassette oh, that's tapes interesting. from when he was that, that he's like never that he has no use for that he's never listened to, but that he used to watch film and speak into the recorder for his notes. And then what would someone have to like transcribe those? Do you think for him like a little like a quality control guy? Yes. I'm I am I am curious. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. That that could be a story within itself. But uh, I'm sure he, he'd he'd love. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll give us a lot of time to work on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, that I don't think there was anything that that really stood out uh, from Schwartz today. Was was talking of Jalen Mills as you would expect. Uh, that that that's someone who he feels is really playing well. 
that shouldn't surprise anybody. Well, Schwartz should feel good about himself. Eagles defense up to sixth in defensive DVOA. Which, man, that does not pass the smell test, but, no, they, but are, I mean, they are playing better. It's also, I mean, they have the last three games, the Bills, the Bears, and the Patriots, all offenses that do not throw the ball deep, or at least do not throw it deep well. Uh, and so I think it's a little bit uh, artificially inflated and it will be uh it will be much different against the seahawks so, well i was we'll thinking that but they still have these uh four garbanzo bean teams coming up they could have a very interesting season ending uh this is something to look forward to yeah. a season season ending defensive dvoa it You're could right. be it could be like the best uh, could it be the best of the schwartz era l- l- let me look it up real quick as you move yeah, on it might be uh well why don't we speaking of schwartz zach why don't you tell us your thoughts on the uh, article by Jeff McLean about the sort of palace intrigue of uh, Jim Schwartz's outsized influence on personnel decisions. Yeah, so in the Philadelphia Inquirer on, on Sunday, uh, Jeff wrote a story about how Schwartz has a lot of sway in 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 personnel control. Um, that's something that that we knew, but Jeff did a good job really getting specifics in there. And one of the, about the Chris Long, that, yeah, uh, one of the, yeah. So the specific that really jumped out and I give Jeff a lot of credit for this was, uh, the anecdote in there when Malik Jackson went down, Howie Roseman wanted Chris Long back, called Chris, Chris wanted some, uh, a few weeks to work out, was all ready to come, was, was kind of back into shape. And then a conversation with Jim Schwartz basically saying that don't expect the same role, put an end to it. Um, so that was an interesting nugget in that story. Like, what is the point of that? Who, like, he, he, he needed Josh Sweat to get those snaps? Well, I think more importantly, why didn't Howie and Schwartz, why weren't they on the same page and well, not waste Chris exactly Long's right. time? Yeah. You know, I th- yeah, I thought it was a very good story. And uh, I thought there were a lot of interesting uh, nuggets in there. I mean, you know, just from a sort of adding talent to the roster, like I'm looking at it here, you know, 2019 draft, they're not taking a defensive player until the fourth round. 2018 draft, they're not taking a defensive player until the fourth round. Uh, 2017, they did stock up early. Um, and 2016, they did not take a defensive player until the sixth round. So, you know, they haven't exactly been loading up <laughs> Jim Schwartz's yeah. unit with talent. And, uh, you know, I think we've all been on the same page that he's done a good job and, you know, he gets crushed sometimes where, you know, a lot of times, and in the beginning of this year, there were certainly things you could question him about, but I think overall when the defense has struggled, it has certainly been more of a talent issue than a, uh, scheme issue. Um, uh, so it, it's kind of fascinating when you look at, you know, I guess, you know, as the article indicated that at least some of the moves, I guess it'll be free agency trade, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe more on uh, or on Schwartz. Yeah, and and they have since uh, since 2016 have brought in Jim Schwartz guys. I mean, Nigel Bradham was a a Jim Schwartz signing. Corey Graham was a Jim Schwartz addition. Um, they've they've made moves kind of uh, tailored for Schwartz, and and that Schwartz has had a lot of influence in. So no, yeah, I, I thought Jeff did a good job with the piece. And I thought that it's, it's an interesting point because for a defensive coordinator, he certainly does have a lot of sway. How did I miss this? Two, 2016, the Eagles were fourth in defensive DVOA. I thought they might've been high. 
And in 2017, they were fifth. Ah, all right. So I, wow, what a run this would be. Well, yeah, this is, this <laughs> is, this is, is this is why I defeated you in the flock trial oh my last God. year. Bring that up one more time. I'm unplugging this microphone. <laughs> I swear to God. My gosh, let it go. Flock trial. You know that I, uh, you know that I will never <laughs> let it go. So he's, we're, he's potentially looking at, uh, yeah, he's really good. Got a chance for three top five finishes for this this defense, and the offense offense can't get their stuff together. Wow, it's crazy. Okay. Uh, before we get to the squall twenty two, uh, you guys like uh, you guys like betting on football? I do. Sure, you like putting a little lettuce on the on the game? Come on, who, who was eleven and three against the spread last week? You were eleven and three this week. Eh, listen, all those commenters, I'm coming for you. Congratulations! What, what, Does that the, put you back over five hundred for the year? What did the kids say? I've got receipts. Oh, that what they say? Eleven and three—that's big. Yeah, ahead of three games oh. over five hundred. Wow, that's great. Well, the good news about that is that this week, DraftKings, the DraftKings sportsbook, is running a special NFL insurance promo. Bet on a team to win. And if they score at least 24 points, your bet is safe. DraftKings will credit back your wager if your team goes on to lose. Is there a, uh, a, is there a matchup this week? Have you looked at the matchups this week, Shield, for a high-scoring matchup? Uh, not a high-scoring matchup, but I'll tell you what. The Seahawks in Philadelphia look a little tasty. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna I score. really like that Seahawks line. Yeah, <laughs> They're going to score at least 24 <laughs> points. Uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's code QUICK for all new and existing users to get a deposit bonus up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. Seaside for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Shield, you have uh, you have finished up the Squall 22. Why don't you tell us uh, if you have any solutions for the Eagles big old guy offense well I wanted to ask what the uh, I wanted to sort of start a conversation about the the quarterback I know it's uh it's a bit I don't know if cliche is the word or sports talk radio which is the word yeah, but it, it is a little it is a little exhausting that like every game becomes a uh, a full uh like a full conversation of like what it, who is Carson Wentz, but I think it's, I, I feel think like it's fair. it doesn't become that. I feel like we barely talk about that. That every week it's just about the how much the wide receivers suck. Like okay. I don't want to well, talk about that. We know the wide receivers suck. The wide receivers what really is, really suck. Yeah. Okay. There. Done. Uh, what is what? What I haven't looked at the press conferences. What has Doug Peterson, uh, Mike Grow, and I guess. I did see some of Carson Wentz after the game, but what has been the sort of overall evaluation of how he played on Sunday? Peterson and Groh this week have both given the uh, Carson needs to let the offense, like needs to let the uh, take what the defense gives him, let the offense come to him and not try to do too much, which I don't know, like uh, this offense isn't working. So why should he, why should he let this offense do what it does? Yeah. Okay. And what is your sense of sort of the? Am I mischaracterizing that, Zach? No, you're not. Now, if, uh, Doug was was more willing to say that that Carson had some plays that, that he would want back, which is Doug's way of saying 
He had some bad plays. Right. They think he was uh, trying to do too much is what they said. Now, he also miss, yeah. missed some throws. And then um, and, and Carson, after the game, uh, he mentioned uh, one throw to Ertz when he would like that back, that they weren't on the same page. Uh, and then he uh, he spoke. He was hard on himself about the fumble. He, he came back to the fumble like three times. Uh, but Grow today, I asked I asked Mike Grow if the evaluate like like when he evaluates Carson Wentz, is he taking into account the personnel around him or just the expected result of the play? And he kind of gave an answer that uh, they're not going to make excuses because of injuries, and they're going to practice really hard this week to have the best game plan they could have against the Seahawks. So uh, one of those kinds of even harder than they did last week. He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. so." It was one of those answers. Um, I don't want to say it's it's like kit glove treatment, but um, it's it. They certainly aren't aren't kind of calling out their quarterback or putting any heat on their quarterback. Which uh, uh, whether that's that's by design or whether that's the way they think. Um, I I know Shield doesn't like this word, but I think it's a very nuanced discussion when you look at Carson. What is your what is your read on the fan base and how they view the quarterbacks? I think they're sort of, I don't know. I I feel like my uh, Twitter feed is filled with probably the most knowledgeable and sort of the the higher end. But I, I'm wondering, like, sort of what if you have a sense of just kind of like the overall sentiment towards the quarterback right now through 11 games? I don't think there's a prevailing sentiment. I think it's it's a polarizing. Uh, question right now because I, I think that there are a f- that that there is a faction of fans that that thinks Carson should be playing better and then there's definitely a wide group of this of, of this fan base that that says look what he's playing with and I, I do think overall the wide receivers are getting much more of the heat than the quarterback which is understandable um, the wide receivers are 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 bad. You know, I, I there's there's no way of kind of rationalizing it or justifying it. I, I think there's more rationalization with the quarterback, and and I I can understand that as as well because he makes plays every week that that you say well you know that's why he's a 100 million dollar quarterback. Um, but the reason I say it's nuanced discussion and it's something I I wrote is that the throw to Aguilar. It's a different situation if he hits his throw to Ertz to play, you know, or a, a play earlier. So um, there's it's 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 a lot more than just his wide receivers failing him. Yeah, I mean, my my sense. And so in, in the macro view, we know the issue. All right. The wide receivers are not good. That is hampering uh, the offense to a, uh, you know, a, a very large degree. There's no doubt about that there, you know, the talent isn't there and the guys that they do have are not playing up to their capabilities. You combine those two things. It's really been the number one issue with the offense. And we don't know if there's a obvious path out in future years, but like, if we can't, if we can't criticize Carson Wentz for the way he played in that game, then it's just like, you can't criticize him for any game. I mean, I don't understand this thought that like he's just off limits. It feels like where people are so afraid to point out that he had a bad game. I mean, in that game, 
you know, you knew it was going to be a close game. You're going up against a good defense and you don't have your right tackle goes out and you don't have a good receiving group. All right. You're going to have to the quarterback who you pay a lot of money to and who you drafted high is going to have to have a really good game. You know, he misses. He throws a deep ball on the one time he targets Mac Hollins in eight games or what do you have? Zach, since Christmas, what what was your thing? Since Since September. September. Since yeah. August of 2013, the first time he <laughs> talked to him. I mean, you know, that throw, like that pocket was beautiful. Hollins ran a nice double route, uh, double move. And the ball's like, you know, what's that little area of yeah. the, it's like out of bounds. It's that white area. You know what I'm saying? And yes. Like, yeah. It was it, beyond like, even that. Yeah. It was to the right of that. Like that was a terrible throw that a good quarterback, you know, maybe it's not going to be perfect, but like he missed very badly. It was a really bad that, throw. On that throw, and that's a big that's a big play in the game when you're going up against a good defense. Then you know the fumble. That's a big spot. I mean, Tony Romo was analyzed. I was watching the film, and you know they had a route concept to the left, and then they had uh, Goddard running like a, a shallow crosser from right to left. And you know Romo pointed out while I'm watching the film, I'm saying, oh, you know, it looks like Goddard's open there, but uh, I don't know exactly what his read is. Romo says during the game, and you know, as sort of saw in as he softened it, he's not like crushing Wentz, but he, he basically said he's got to come off that read on the left side and get to Goddard quicker, and he didn't, and that turns into a sack fumble in a very big part uh, in the game right there, and so. Yeah, like like that's a big play. Then you're driving down the field. You're getting approaching the red zone. And, you know, this is one of the few times you have guys open on consecutive plays and you miss two throws very badly to your most reliable receiver. So those are what did I just say? One, two, three, four plays. Those are four plays. Uh, you know, I, I think there are other ones, too, where I looked at and uh, certainly you can maybe criticize him for. But those are like four on the record. He's admitting it. You know, the coaches are saying it. The mm-hmm. analysts are saying it in a very tight game where you have the defending Super Bowl champs come into town. And, you you know, it's it wasn't a the game didn't have the largest magnitude as have you as you guys have discussed. You can still win the division. But how is it like unfair to criticize the quarterback for that game he played? Why are people so sort of insecure uh, about that stance. I, I don't I, understand it. But is that I, I, is that a straw man, though? Like, who is saying you can't I, criticize Wentz? I feel like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I Well, you, for one, on the, uh, I have your quote, uh, Wentz, Wentz was an unbelievable, he was just good. He was good in that game? Okay. That was an exact quote from you. Okay. <laughs> I got receipts. We I can't, receipt we can't quote the post-game pod. <laughs> sure that we is, can. Sure we can. We quote the post-game press conferences. Why can't we quote the post-game pod? Okay. We're on the record. I don't know. Like That's I said. I, I'm, but it, but I, I never said you can't criticize him. Okay, so if my is my general sense wrong? Do you think he's being uh, criticized enough? Or, or do you, I get the sense that people get angry anytime the guy gets criticized, and I don't understand it. Like, if Donovan McNabb played that game in his fourth season, he would be just getting crushed left and right. Am I well, wrong? I, yeah, no, no, I don't you think are, you're wrong. You're I just, wrong. I just don't think that that uh, I, I'm not hearing this uh, defense that you you can't possibly criticize him. Uh, I don't know. It feels like every time there's like a little inkling of criticism towards Wentz, everyone is just like ah, Aguilar, Aguilar. Sucks. Well, I mean, Aguilar. The, the thing is, it is hard. Like, I mean, the things you pointed out were obviously all on Wentz. That's that is fair. In in the macro, it is. It is very hard to just untangle what is 
Wentz, what is the receivers, what is the offensive uh, philosophy and the play calling and and everything else. Uh, you know, you're paying him to to uh, paper over a lot of those things, but it is it is hard to to sort of parse out what is whose fault. Well, I I I don't want to make like social media or emails or or comments reflective of the entire fan base, but but to to Shields' point, and then and then also to what you just said in our beat back and forth yesterday, Bo, I had a, a, a sentence in there and it was used in kind of like a Twitter tease, which was a quarterback is always going to be better with performing talent around him, but if ideal conditions must exist for Carson Wentz to thrive then the Eagles have the wrong read on him. And a lot of the reaction I heard was exactly what Shield just mentioned. Like, whoa, this isn't, yeah, this, uh, you know, it's, it's not even ideal conditions. He has, he's, he has no conditions to thrive. Basically was what I was hearing was that the wide receivers kind of prevent him from doing anything. And, and I don't go absolutely on that end of the spectrum either, because uh, like Shield mentioned, like, like, like we've discussed, there are plays for Carson Wentz, to make that he hasn't made. Yeah, I didn't think that was an unfair. Uh, I, I read that and I saw the tweet and I didn't think that was an unfair comment. I thought it was well said. Again, we know he's not the issue. He's not among the top, however many issues you want to say. If we're looking at the whole season, it's even a different story. But if we're talking about what happened in that game, I mean, that was definitely a factor in that game. And like this idea that if you would replace you know, Wentz, we like he's the, what's the record now? Five and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Like, if, you know, that if, uh, you know, he's without him, they would be like three and seven. I don't know. I, I mean, by most accounts, he's been like slightly above a slightly above our average quarterback this year. Uh, I don't know. Am I wrong? Well, you tell me you're the one who, you're the one who watches all the games. Yeah, no, I think I think he's been slightly above average. I think he's good. You know, obviously, I think once you if they're able to surround him with better talent, he's he's going to do a great job. And he we know he has an MVP ceiling, all those different things. But I, I just think when we look at that game uh, in particular, uh, that that was one of my takes on it, that you kind of wish that the quarterback would have played better or come up bigger in that spot. And I, I'm really annoyed by the coaching, too, of this take what the defense gives you. I, well, like, that's what bothers me. Is... I mean, in, in that game, like, mm-hmm. take what the defense gives you. Do, do you really think you're going to string together, like, you know, four of those 95-yard drives? And that's not the type of quarterback you have. Like, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to complete 73% of his passes and be that type of guy. Like, I don't know. I almost felt like the opposite. Like, tell him to go go to play a little sandlot football out there, you know? If the read's not there, get out of way, uh, chuck it, scramble, make plays outside of structure. I mean, there were three, four plays of their biggest plays, I felt like, yes. were s- second reaction plays in this game. And now it feels like the messaging from the coaches is, well, you know, take what the defense gives you. If, if take what the defense gives you means... That's what bothers me. Yeah, if it, if it means when you're in the pocket, like don't hold on to the ball and wait for something open downfield and take the easier completion, then fine. But like, I don't know. He's not dumb. The offense isn't going to work for you. Like there's no circumstance where the offense working for you is going to be the solution that wins them the division, in my opinion. Are you guys familiar with his his fourth quarter stats at all? I, I read them. You you uh, you had them in the piece, right? Yeah, that yeah. they really jumped out to me like he's been. He's been bad in the fourth quarter, uh, and, and and they've had some 
close games here. So I was, I was really surprised uh, to see those numbers. He is uh, 53 of 97. Okay, so that's that's 54.6 percent. Um, he has two t- He has he has one touchdown and two interceptions in the fourth quarter of games this year. And obviously people will point to the receivers coming up small on multiple occasions, and that's totally fair. Uh, that That's true, but those are still interesting. Let me let me ask you this, Bo, since you, you have the minions who right now are probably, you know, getting ready to tweet at me and uh, and yell at me. Let, let's, if this were flipped and Dak Prescott were having this uh, season. You love but, your boy Dak. No, no, let's, I think this is a good exercise for Eagles fans. Let's say Dak Prescott was surrounded by the Eagles' talent and he was having the type of season Carson Wentz was having, and Carson Wentz was have, was surrounded by Dak Prescott's talent. You know, he had Amari Cooper, and he was playing really well, and he was talk of the league. Uh, what percentage of Eagles fans would be saying, oh, well, you know, Dak just doesn't, um, doesn't have the talent around him, and they have no wide receivers, and it's not on him, and, uh, you know, the, the Wentz is having such a great year because of his surrounding cast. First of all, don't you dare disparage the mans. Uh, second of all, that's an unfair thing. Like, it's not the Eagles fans' job to defend uh, Dak Prescott, but the comparison of the two of them and the way that they're playing is fair. I mean, yes, Dak has better weapons, but he's also uh, performing at a much higher level. There's no doubt about that. It is fair. What's unfair about it? Well, it's it's unfair to to expect that an Eagles fan would defend a under an underperforming quarterback for a division rival. Okay. Well, no, no one's going to no one's going to be like coming in. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Dak Prescott doesn't have good receivers. That's that's I I understand Shields' point here and I actually yeah, no, I think the point I, is fine. I agree with Shields' point. If if Dak Prescott was in the middle of the season Carson Wentz was, was having right now, um, I'd be making fun of him a, for sure. There'd be a lot more criticism, or, 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 or yeah, there'd be a lot of criticism in Philadelphia of Dak Prescott. I mean, twenty eighth in completion percentage, thirty uh, second in yards per attempt. Carson Wentz is right now six point six yards per attempt. There are two two quarterbacks below him: Mason Rudolph and Mitchell Trubisky. Oof. Like I'm not, I'm not. I understand the circumstances he's dealt like let, let's, but you know, it, it would be easier to take if it was like sort of in the middle of the pack. I mean, that is bad. Yeah, it is. So I don't know. And again, it's not, it's the whole op, the whole operation is very annoying right now. I will say what, and, and, and I mean, it was a, uh, a very small sample size, but what is uh, so frustrating was the T like the whole season will be defined by the T's of week one when the offense looked like you thought that it would look and then uh, and how fragile it was that the whole thing could come crashing down when the the old guy who was always going to get hurt got hurt but I think we need to keep in context that that was one of the worst teams in the league also yeah, I guess that's fair. I understand. It looked good. Yes. And I, I do think, again, I think, it, I think it would really make a big difference if they had a good wide receiver. I, I was here during it the— It doesn't even uh, need to be a good wide receiver. They yeah. just need a fast wide receiver. I don't understand. Stop throwing Jordan Matthews out there. Get just, like, anybody who can just run Get fast. Get Ortega Whiteside out there. Yes. I mean, really. 
get him out there. there and see what happens. Okay. All right. So that I mean, I didn't I didn't mean to make it all about uh, Wentz in a sports radio talk segment, but uh, or sports talk radio segment. But uh, I just wanted to mention that. Okay. No, let me. I think go- it was. I don't know. It was a good conversation to have. I don't think. Okay. That- let me go through my notes here. What did uh, speaking of the beat back and forth? What did you make of uh, of Zach's uh, shot across the bow oh, at eggs? That was, I mean, that was blasphemy. <laughs> at what eggs? But come on, <laughs> like if I could only have, if I were only allowed like five foods, I would probably the rest of my life I would probably have to name eggs. They're so versatile. Uh, the protein easy for me to make. I mean, how mediocre? What scale are you using? Well, that's exactly what I'm saying is, is like, it's not bad. It's not like I'm never excited to get eggs. Oh, well, you're wrong. Okay, well, that's, Come on. That's, that's where I am. Is I'm, I'm not saying he asked me a question <laughs> and I answered it. I mean, it's, I wasn't, uh, it's not a hill I'm going to die on. It was, it was an odd question to answer and a beat back and forth. What do you think is the most mediocre food? I, I, I'm, I'm not a huge egg guy. Uh, I, I need to try. I need to dress it up with hot sauce or, or in a, in like a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich, something like that. Um, so how how about Dunkin' Donuts? Could you see this during the Eagles game? No. Coming out with the beyond meat. Oh yeah. Zach Ertz is pumping that up. We had a bunch of uh, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards given to the media members for the beyond meat. Oh baby. I can't wait to try that bad boy. So for those listeners, have you had that impossible Whopper from BK? Yes. The impossible uh, burger is not nearly as good as the Beyond Meat burger. Oh, really? Not even close. The really? Beyond, Beyond Meat kills it. Oh, I'm surprised by that. I have a lot of issues with the Impossible Whopper. Okay. Uh, it tastes fine. I mean, if you've had a veggie burger, it tastes like that. You're charging me more for the Impossible. Okay, Ooh. here's the deal. So for the first 35 uh, years of my life, you know, Burger King did make a nice vegetarian-friendly sandwich. It was just a veggie sandwich. You would call it a veggie Whopper. And depending on which Burger King you went to, either you would get a nice discount. That bad boy would be like two sixty-five, or or they would charge you just full price. Where you're saying, "All right, this isn't really fair. Am I really going to start a fight with the Burger King guy?" You know, probably not. But they're probably. charging you. Full price for the Whopper, even though you don't have any meat in it, which was totally unfair. And now you're coming out with a vegetarian option, and you're charging me more than your actual Whopper. Do they so, not uh, still have the regular veggie uh, burger? You can get that. You would just you would just say like uh, a Whopper, no meat, basically. Oh, so there's no patty. It's patty. just it's deli- It's abs. I will. I will. Uh, what do kids say? Stand. Stand really? for it's it. Just it's bread and and lettuce and tomato and that, onion. You got. Lettuce. Got all the fixins. You got the cheese. You got the dressings. That's oh, it's bizarre. outstanding. Very good. Okay. Okay. Oh. Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, you had some other uh, Squall Twenty Two notes. Oh uh, no! Well, I what would you some... say was the most mediocre food? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I would have to think about that. Do you have anything you could like throw out there for? Well, How about I the pretzel? Said, well, yeah, <laughs> pretzel. I, I said a meat. So. Uh, How about just like a hard pretzel, pretzel, pretzel a... is a good one. I like a soft pretzel, pretzel but a hard pretzel oh, yeah. is pretty mediocre. Yeah. Yeah, soft pretzels not pretty real level. Okay. Uh, you should know, Shiel, that last game at the Novacare Complex, the pregame meal for the first time that I can remember, they had a uh, chicken tikka masala and a naan. What? And some Where naan was this bread. From? Oh wait, at the Novacare, so you didn't get to eat it? No, at Lincoln. Financial no, no, sorry, at Lincoln Financial Field. It, it, it was the press yeah. box pregame meal. What? Yeah. 
Yes. Oh, really? And, yes. and and subsequently, Vinny Curry played his best game of the season. No one invited me for, for this? Well, they, I think they tried. This was their well, way of trying to bring you back. We'll see if I it would works. Have been very, I would have been very upset if they did Indian food and then only did a meat dish. I, you know, yeah. That's probably why they didn't invite me. So uh, there was a, a funny sequence. Someone yes. was talking about this while we were sitting down in our seats. We hadn't gone to the food area yet. And someone said they have chicken marsala <laughs> and then <laughs> and so i was thinking oh okay chicken marsala and then when we got there uh i said in line to bow i said the r is an important distinction here this is this is not chicken marsala chicken marsala and, and it's it's i said i'm i'm not going to get something like this in a press box and uh the and woman I who works there yeah, the, the woman who worked there. She's a she's a very nice woman. She heard me, and she oh. it, she was she thought I was being critical of of their food, uh-huh. and that, that it it wasn't that at all. It's just uh, when I'm eating in a press box, I'm not looking for anything uh, that would not, be characterized as like adventurous um, by press box standards. I'm looking I would agree for, for like staple, something that's easy to make in a mass quantity for a lot of people. I actually do agree with that. I don't know that I would want to stuff myself with uh, <laughs> Indian food before we uh, sat down there well, for three hours a, of meanwhile, watching a, the most boring offense. Zach had a big bowl of chili, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think his point was that if he wants Indian food, he wants to go to an Indian restaurant. He doesn't want. Yeah. Yeah, which I think or, is Or you, you go over at Mama Kapadia's house. We can get you some of the well, good stuff. I'm still, go. wait, I'm still waiting on that invite. Oh, okay. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah, we can do that in the offseason. I would love that. You would love that. All right. My other notes here, let's see. Uh, on the first series, you know, Romo was hammering the, the, same, the same point that Peterson and Groh were about Wentz kind of taking what's there. You know, they had Sanders on that. Uh, I guess it was like a wheel route down the right sideline. Yeah. It seemed like he had a pretty easy throw to Ertz. By the way, I thought Ertz was very good in this game. Like, yes. he was getting open against all those guys, including Stefan Gilmore. I actually thought they could have thrown him the ball more uh, in this game. He was Who the Ertz. only one. Yeah, so, um, you know, maybe that was one of those examples. I don't know. Uh, on third down of that, I mentioned they go to Jordan Matthews against Stefan Gilmore. Ridiculous. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I had to, you know, <laughs> go back and make sure I was seeing the matchup there. Uh, next series, the ineligible penalty on Jason Peters. Uh, I just want to make sure that he's not getting dinged for that because he didn't do anything wrong on that play. That is an RPO He's run blocking. Okay. You can blame that on Peterson for the call. or I mean, I, I don't think Wentz did anything wrong, but it was just kind of how it played out. I think it looked like initially they were in man coverage and then they went to zone. And so Wentz had to hold on to the ball for a little bit, then threw it to Ortega Whiteside. They threw the flag. By the way, they never call this. Like, if you really called this uh, when it was supposed to be called, there would be flags all the time, which made me wonder if Belichick said something to the officials uh, before the game. Yeah, because or maybe they're just, you know, protected by the league on these types of calls. Maybe. Okay, let's see. What else? Uh, I did like that play where Kelsey was uh, in the slot. That actually, yeah. I was thinking, all right, at least they're trying something. I yes. know it didn't work, but give me, give me more of that. So I thought um, that was interesting. When the Patriots had the ball, it was really fascinating to see their approach. Like, they were terrified of the Eagles' defensive line. I mean... I think they called like eight screens in this game. That number might not be right. Don't hold me to it. But 
everything they were doing was to make sure Tom Brady wasn't getting hit. Maybe it was like, we don't really, you know, 100% need this game or we know their offense isn't going to do much. I don't know. But uh, they were just calling screens. They called two screens on the first series. Uh, again, I think they called seven or eight throughout the course of the game. They were calling it on third down. I thought that was uh, that was just interesting to sort of see their approach. Their offense, as you guys discussed after the game, was uh, was not very good either. Let's see what else I got here. There was 22 yarder to Ben Watson. It looked like there was a miscommunication where they had a double team uh, with Malcolm Jenkins and a corner on Edelman, which they did throughout the course of the game. And the other corner was supposed to pick up Watson, but uh, everybody just basically covered Edelman on that play. And he was wide open for that. Let's see what else is interesting here. What uh, about the, all, uh, sorry, the, uh, the double pass touchdown. Was that the inverted cover two and it was on Darby or was that on Rasul? I think that's. I think that was the inverted cover too, and okay. I think it's te- technically on uh, Rasul Douglas. I mean, it looked like Darby was not happy with him. The door set did run right across Darby's face, so I don't know if he was saying like, "Hey, let's you know maybe there's something that could happen on my side," but. Um, you know, I, I didn't know if he should just be like, all right, I'm going to stay with him. He just ran across my face. Douglas totally fell for the fake and actually did a good job hustling to get back. But you know, that, that was one of those trick plays, I guess that just gets you. Let's see what else here. Say did not have a good game, uh, which you guys probably know that watching live Kelsey did not have a good game. I can kind of see why he was upset. He was upset. Af- yeah. Afterwards, uh, Danny Shelton was like I thought one of like the best interior defensive lineman performances they faced all year. I mean, he, he was wrecking plays left and right. And Kelsey definitely had some trouble with him throughout the game. Uh, for sure. Uh, is Dallas, was Dallas Goddard on like the injury report last week or anything? He was not. Okay. I, I don't know. I, I just felt to you. I, at, at times I didn't know. It almost looked like he, I don't know if he was fatigued or had the flu or injured. He did not look right. Um, throughout the course of this game, whether he was a blocker or uh, there were there were some other plays as well, where I'm looking at it, going, you know, I, I think he should. He's generally a little bit more athletic than that, and you know, I was looking up some Goddard numbers, and they're not really that pretty. I know there's a lot of Goddard ba- backers out there. I feel like I'm being very critical this pod. Should I skip this? Good, and save you it deserve for... to be critical. Go ahead. Okay. Thirty-five tight ends with at least twenty-five targets. Goddard is 22nd in yards per reception, wow. 18th in first down percentage, 31st in drop percentage, 29th in catch percentage, and 30th in yards per target. That's that's uh, damning. I mean, we discussed it at the time. That might have been a good spot to take a receiver. Anthony Miller. <laughs> from, a re- from a resources standpoint, did Michael Gallup get taken before or after Goddard? After. He was a third-round pick, I believe. Okay. He had a pretty big game last week. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> uh, I thought that sequence at the end of the half was, I mean, that was very costly with the, the one that ended with the Kelsey bad snap. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Oh, like that sort of a, felt like an underrated part in the game where if they can even get a field goal right there uh, or something, then, um, you know, maybe maybe they have a little bit a uh, little bit of a cushion there. There was a stunt by the Patriots. There the were, Kelsey got walloped. Uh, he may have had Aguilar, but whatever. Uh, what else we got here? I feel like this is very boring. Let me see. Do you have any specific questions? I'm trying to go through my notes. They're not very organized. Well, my my general question is, uh, you know, you have you have uh, come across the bow of Carson Wentz, but you have also said you were frustrated with the Eagles' coaching. 
do you see like do, do you have any solves for the Eagles offense as no. currently constructed? No, I don't. Okay. I, I like I said, I would turn it into a sandlot game from time to time, or at least encourage, you know, let let's just you know, Peterson loves saying cut it loose. Like mm-hmm. I I would go that route. I would say uh, it doesn't always have to be to Jordan Matthews when you cut it loose, but uh, you know, just, just like, sign some fast guys and let them run, run flies yeah. and posts, and just clear some people out. And maybe if they're, if they're open, let it cut it loose. It's yeah, like, I don't know if it's going to solve anything. Um, I know that that uh, is that that's like an, uh, a reductive thing, but like, come on. Well, we did talk about that. Chuck the ball deep because even if the guy doesn't make the catch, things yeah. can happen. Yeah, and then guess what? Their longest play of the game, the first yeah. play of the game, to Boston Scott of all people. Yeah. <laughs> how about that? So uh, how about a little bit little bit more of that uh, would be nice. I, uh, Vitae was terrible when I watched the film. Yeah. Watching live, it was like, all right, there's a play here and a play there. Watching the film, it felt like he didn't block anybody on any play. I mean, Well, maybe run, that's why they didn't trade him. Nobody wanted him. Yeah, run, pass. That the fifth sack, and I don't have the time here, it was a third down, and Aguilar and Hollins, I know that this will shock you, they both actually won their routes uh, on this play. The concept was good. It abs- Wentz would have definitely had a chance to convert. Vitae gets blown up by, I think it was Dante Hightower, and Peters doesn't do his job, and you know it was the, one of those two defenders meet at the quarterback. I thought that was, uh, that was certainly a big play as well. Uh, let uh- me see. Um, by the way, while you're looking at, at, at your notes, to the question about just getting someone there who, who runs fast and throwing to them deep, I was thinking about that discussion last week when our colleague in San Francisco, David Lombardi, he, uh, he wrote a, a Bo Wolf-type piece where he interviewed Richard Sherman about all of Richard Sherman's interceptions. Uh, and Sherman had, 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 had to name all them. And he brought up one where the intended target was Bryce Traggs. Yes. And he said that uh, <laughs> he knew what the route was going to be. He said the only he basically said the only thing they were doing with him was having him run a post and and uh, and throwing deep and, and letting him get under it. So he's like, uh, so he he knew all along where that ball was going. Uh, so I, you know I, what? I just found get it to be Bryce Traggs back. <laughs> he's he's working as an agent now. I know that. In an yeah. agency, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, the Nate Gary missed tackle was obviously bad. So I mean, that bad. was a, a huge, huge play. play in the game. By the way, I did not. Uh, I wonder if some people are going to get docked loafing points on that bad boy. Uh, the defense played well. The defense played hard, but that was a weird play. I don't know if everybody thought that Burkhead was down, but like Avante Maddox was the only guy uh, running after him after the the missed tackle. So that that was just sort of a, a weird observation that I saw. Uh, let's see here. I'm I'm curious what you saw with uh, Miles Sanders. I asked I asked Doug why he wasn't more involved in the passing game, and, and Doug said that uh, the the defensive attention he was getting was the reason. And then I I've seen some things on Twitter from people who've already watched the All 22. I haven't. I only saw the TV copy. Uh, was that he was getting like uh, that was like the focal point of the Patriots game plan was Miles Sanders. Uh, it may have been that did not that is not something I picked up on or that okay. uh, stood out. I, mean, I think Ertz was their was their focal point. Yeah, I mean they had they were do- either doubling Ertz or putting Gilmore on Ertz. Yeah. Um, so that you know, and again, I still think there were opportunities. I you know that first play, you would like to see him not get pushed out of bounds there by 
Van Noy, but I, you know, I'm sure they were thinking, let's, uh, let's be physical with him. Uh, certainly was probably part of it. Uh, there was a third in, there, there was a Goddard drop and then there was yep. a third and 10 in the third quarter where they had, I think they were an empty and they had five receivers go out in routes and four of them ran routes short of the sticks and rubble <laughs> pointed this out during the game. Like, what is this route concept where even if these guys can, and it wasn't even like, you know, run after the catch or it didn't seem like it. Uh, so that was a really, really, uh, weird play. Uh, I have many of these notes about, I, I couldn't believe Matthews only got targeted six times. I swear watching the film, I'm like, what does he have? 11 targets all these times they're, uh, they're throwing to him. There was a play. I mentioned the Vitae one. All right. I think those are, I, I think there was that play when they were backed up in their own end zone. It was a third down and went through low to Sanders uh, it felt like Sanders screwed something up there okay. because Wentz was angry. I, I don't know if it was just not getting out into his route quickly enough, but uh, Wentz looked angry going to the sideline, and Doug Peterson was doing one of those, like, come here, come here, come here to a player, and then the camera went away. But I'm pretty sure the player uh, there was Miles Sanders. So I actually don't think Wentz probably deserves to get ding. I think the announcer said, like, low throw by Wentz, but he's in his own end zone, so he's got to get rid of the ball quickly there. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Uh, I will say, we, you know, we texted, uh, I texted Coach Flynn about the Aguilar play that ended the game. Yes. Just about the degree of difficulty. And he said he feels like that's a uh, could have, not a should have play for Aguilar. He did said you, uh, I think, I think, did, did he uh, text you on the side about that play? I don't think so. I think he texted me by accident. Uh, Would you uh, like to know well, what he said? I hope it's by accident. Would you like to know what he said? Sure. His hands. Well, I don't are, know. Is it on the His hands and eyes are all over the place. Eyes off ball. Hands too low. Does not attack the ball with any confidence. It, he he absolutely looks like a guy playing with no confidence. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean that play. Like it's just it's a microcosm of of everything that has happened with him this season. He just he doesn't track the ball well, and he doesn't. Uh, I mean. The, the the position he puts himself in, it's hard to do this, but he doesn't go up t- and to try to catch the ball with any kind of authority. Yeah. By the way, on that uh, also on that last drive, they had that that crosser to Aguilar, which was a nice. Um, you know, you were talking about coaching. I actually, you know, I I don't think this was like a horribly coached game or anything. They're dealing with sort of the players they have. That was wide open, and the Patriots' um, defensive lineman. Uh, kind of got off oh, his yeah. pa- pass rush and batted the ball. That w- that was that a was great a nice play. play. Yeah, yeah. Or else that I mean that looked like I know people make the joke Aguilar would have dropped it or, or you know run right out of bounds or whatever. But it looked like he had a lot of room to catch that uh, and run. On on the last play to Aguilar, uh, you know it was a a big blitz. But Vitai, like his job, it looked like on that was to block Hightower. You know it wasn't like he had a complicated job, and he was the one who got beat, which was like. Come on, you know, <laughs> like, like the game's on the line, you know, they, they knew what blitz was coming. You have one guy to block and that's the guy who ends up, you know, you would think maybe the back gets blown up or they get a free rusher, but no, the first guy to went is the guy your right tackle was supposed to be blocking. Um, I did think this was interesting. I don't know if, if Peterson talked about this or if you guys watched the TV copy, I hope you didn't, but on that last drive, they took Ertz out of the game. I think it was second yeah. down. Yes. And uh, Romo was uh, pretty critical 
as soon as it happened, it, he wasn't even waiting for the play. He's like, Ertz is coming out. That means, you know, this is a play where the tight end's not going to go out into the route. He's like, oh, look, Belichick sees that and is checking it. And it like played out exactly where they went into cover two and the Eagles were trying to take a shot down the field and the Patriots totally had it covered. And, and again, the camera w- was on Ertz as he was running to the sideline. And it seemed like he was like, what the hell uh, is going on on here? I don't know if there, if anyone talked about I that. Hate, I hate I, are... I don't you. I, I don't want to call you Al. I'm, I'm sorry for doing that. Okay. No, no, no. Bo had an exclusive quote from Ertz about this yes. in his day after column. Oh, really? Yes, I read I the day after. I don't. Yeah, right. I don't mean to. Uh, you're a busy man, Sheil. I don't mean to call you out, but uh, you have betrayed your uh, non-reading of the day after. Uh, because I, I did talk to him after. about that specific I play. Maybe I went too quick. So what did he say? Well, he said, uh, I want to be on the field every play. But at the same time, Dallas is a great player. I got a lot of confidence in him, yada, yada, yada. It's tough at times, but at the same time, I can't play every play every week. Uh, but then I was like, you know, you you were upset. Like, it, you are a player who plays at a high level. Like, you are a prideful guy. And he said, there's definitely give and take. I feel like what drives me to be one of the best, Yeah, dot, dot, dot. Uh, it's something that I may be disappointed at the time, but I'm moving on to the next play, and whatever happens, happens. If they feel like the best option for me is to be on the bench that play, then that's what they feel like is best for the team. So not super insightful, but no. Say that's why he he played it straight. So I I skimmed through those parts. Well, yeah, but you could have still read the preceding part that said exactly what you just said since you texted us about it during the game. No, I'm saying did Peterson did did he say anything about that? Oh, did Peterson say? Anything Was there a Peterson that? quote about this? No, that I no, missed? just an Earth's, uh, no. just an Earth's aspect. Okay, that's all I got. Okay. Anything else? Uh, anything else you want to ask questions about that is that have been addressed on the athletic? Listen, that Are you is curious a, about uh, what Ken Flajol would do if he wasn't yet a uh, if he wasn't a, a linebackers coach. Sure. Well, that well if you're curious for. about that, you can uh, tomorrow morning. So we're taping this on Tuesday night. On Wednesday morning, there's going to be a story about uh, this very topic about. Ken Flagel's near uh, FBI career. Really? FBI career? Yeah. Had, Ken Flagel? He was 33-year-old and, in El Paso, Texas, and the, the defensive backs coach at UTEP, and was kind of in one of those fork-in-the-road moments, did the field interview, okay, that had, had the interview, basically had the job. All that was left for it, all that was left was uh, – a trip to Quantico for the physical, for what? the uh, yeah for uh, the training, and uh, the agent who did the in-home interview Don't said, "Don't give it all away." Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, is this I'll, app I'll only or this, no? I'll just say this no. one part. Okay. I'll say this one part. Think football is exciting. Wait until you rack a shotgun on a drug bust, and that one comment had uh, altered the history. Of the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> and Chris Long. Did Chris Long? Does Chris Long have that flagell tattoo? He does, and he he has not um, revealed it yet. But yeah. he did say on one of his podcasts earlier, or a video interview earlier this uh, season, earlier this year, that at some point he's he's going to be talking about it and showing it. Mm-hmm. So there is a mention in this story about uh, that tattoo. 
There you go. Well, my interest is piqued. I wonder if anyone's going to write any stories about uh, Carson Wentz in North Dakota and the connection between the two of them. <laughs> Would you like my ombudsman notes? Uh, sure. We can skip Who? the two. Can you? We'll save it for Friday. Okay. Who spilled the water? There. I mean, that was like a me. big mystery. Me, me, me. It well, was. Um, it yeah. It was. It was inexcusable. It was. Uh, I was. <laughs> I was picking up the. It, um, it happens to anybody. I could. No. It has. It's literally. It's never happened to me ever with the, with a computer. Well, blame um, it. Tell, I, tell. 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 Tell the listeners what you blamed it on that that I told you. <laughs> yeah. There's a solve for. What I blamed it on, yeah. or, or what, what you told me. What you well, blamed what I, it on. Yeah, so um, so I'm I'm I have no objection with like being environmental um or oh this is not what I thought you were going to say but go ahead oh okay you know I was saying like like saving the environment the Eagles as you know yeah, this Shield, is your got, this is your second anti-environment take <laughs> yeah, no no I'm not anti-environment at all uh, the Eagles got away from the plastic bottles you know oh where, yeah I know they that. have yeah where they have the caps as, yeah. as you know and so um so we were uh, so the cup was open because you get the water from the water fountain. So if, if there was a cap, it, it obviously wouldn't have spilled. It's still inexcusable that I knocked it over. But the reason I put it out is, is we were in a room taping the podcast. Um, and it was like, uh, it was just full of water bottles, you know, that like all those, those Dasani bottles, uh, were used by other people in the organization, but like, uh, <laughs> wow, so, what are, this is the story I want to read. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was, I was laughing about that. I was like, if only I had one of those bottles, I would not have this problem with my laptop, but I say this is, this is your second on the record anti-environment take. I will say, <laughs> no, it's well, I actually, I actually think that's true. I think it's reasonable for, for people who are working with, uh, laptops and other electronics to want a ca- to want some type of enclosure on their beverages yeah. that doesn't but seem still I, I still i was i was uh I, I went to pick up the game notes because i was looking or, or the pregame notes that, which is a full book as you know um because i was looking up the patriots or, or or i'm sorry the eagles third down um splits in previous games well you remember That's exactly what you were looking for exactly i was looking it up and i pick it up and as i'm picking it up the book knocks over the water onto the laptop and i thought um, you were blaming it on your slippery fingers from the popcorn <laughs> no 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 i i needed the water because of the popcorn. Oh. It, the fingers oh. weren't slippery. It was like. I just, just like the quad and the hip flexor, it's all connected. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> that's what I do. Well, what I do is I pour the popcorn into a cup and then sort of, you know, put the popcorn up to my mouth and take it that yeah, way. You're so a that maniac. I know that that's a weird looking thing, but it keeps my fingers clean. Okay. Uh, you really have the laptop, laptop on the floor next to your bed when you sleep? Yes. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Uh, Why? What if the Lovato it? extension happens in the middle of the are night? You, no. Is there like, are you in a cut like some type of uh, estate where like your office is a thirty-minute walk away from your bedroom? No, no, <laughs> no. Um, I'm, I have the laptop in my bed. Before, like, I'm, I'm on my laptop before I go to sleep sometimes, um. and so I finish answering emails or doing. Yeah, I usually answer emails late at night. And all right, I'm done. Where are you getting all I these drop, emails from? 
I think that's a comp. Like I try to get back to every email within okay. a certain amount of time. So yeah. So then close the laptop, put it on the floor next to the bed. But yeah, you don't use your laptop in bed. Oh, that sounds very uncomfortable to me. I do every I, now and then. Yeah, uh, my, my laptop never makes it to the bed. Uh, my laptop makes it to the bed. Really? On a desk the- or maybe on uh, you know if I'm on the recliner or couch, I'll do that. But that that bad boy's not going upstairs. Uh, well, oh yeah, no, do, I do. I do disagree with you there. Yeah, so, You're so wrong. that's what it is. So I, I have it in bed, and, and I, I, I close it, put it down when I'm ready to go to sleep. Okay. Uh, I thought you gave Bo too much credit for that first down stat, you know? It was a fine stat. You were really going up over the top with, oh, that's a great <laughs> stat. So I thought, you know, ease up there next time. Uh, I did not pick Miles Sanders, by the way. So yeah, I, I picked him. I picked him. You picked him. I'll talk about, about it afterwards. That. Yeah. yeah. So I wrote in my uh, memo on my phone, I did not pick Sanders, comma a holes. So <laughs> Who did you pick? Do you remember? I picked uh, Aguilar. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what, Man, what if he Andy, caught the ball, you're right. Yeah. What does Andy say? You keep firing. You know. So one of these weeks, uh, I don't think Mike Quick wants you using his name for a DraftKings read. <laughs> I, I honestly don't even remember what you did, but I wrote that note down. So that's uh, it's it's, it's quick. It's promo is, code is quick. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, you spell out quick. Yeah, Q U I C K. So uh, yeah, he's in. Zach, you said let's see if Shield has a nominee for Wing of Honor. I, I wrote down LOL. Uh, <laughs> Bo, you said maybe we'll do an extra pod this week. I wrote LOL. Uh, <laughs> it's and then what? And then one thing I'm just annoyed by, which has nothing to do with you guys, is people starting out uh, sentences with, quote, I've been doing this for a long time. Like, I I don't want to reveal the context, but there was like a guy who was like in his 30s who was like, I've been doing this for a long time. How how long have you could you possibly have been doing this for? That's all. It it wasn't one of us, right? No, it wasn't one of you. Okay. Okay. That's all I got. I think think you need to be over 20 years in doing something to, in order to be doing it a long time. And also like if, if you need that to sort of, uh, give yourself credibility, then, you know, maybe you don't have that much to begin with. Who, who are you trying to convince here? Mm, interesting. Actually, I had a friend during college radio. He'd be like, I've been watching football for a long time. <laughs> and uh, our other friends would just crush him and be like, you're 19 years old. How long have you been watching football? Mm, okay. no, field, intention side. in the booth. Yeah, I, I, I feel like Jim Schwartz is, is like the kind of guy who'd say, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've never seen that, you know, right. or he's I've a, seen a lot of this business. I've never that, seen yeah. He's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been juiced up on this. I swear I'm not on any, uh, you know, illegal substances or anything. This is just my natural fervor for life coming out once in a while. Uh, okay, I've got two uh, things to get to before we close. Oh, what? I thought that was it. A quick listener uh, question. Hey, guys, would love to get your opinion on Christmas lights before Thanksgiving. Acceptable or no? From Robert Brookins. Uh, From my perspective, no. I think the day after Thanksgiving, you you pop those bad boys on. That's fine. But pre-Thanksgiving, what are we doing here? I think uh, daylight savings is is the uh, demarcation line for me because it's it's darker. Yeah, because it's darker earlier. And, uh, and like I was walking last night, I, I walked past Addison street in, in Philadelphia and they had all the Christmas lights up and it, it looked, it looked beautiful. Why like deprive anyone of, of that? So, uh, but the you flip know, they side is I'm of, cool with leaving them up for like another month and a half after 
But Why? I, 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 think you gotta, like, I think you gotta wait for Thanksgiving to pass. I, I don't feel strongly about it either. Yeah, I don't feel that strongly. Yeah. I, I feel like it's uh, wait till after Thanksgiving. What's the rush? Wait till after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, last thing, I think we gotta just we gotta uh, talk briefly about how excited we are about the recent announcement coming in January. We get our boy, the goat, back on uh, back on the podium, taking down Ken Jennings and James Holzhauer. Very exciting! Easily the sporting event of 2020. I am most excited for. I Kapa- can't wait. Capadia House will be uh, having a party. Everybody's invited? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I, think we're all, I think we're all very excited to, uh, to root on Brad Rutter, the, uh, the only winner of uh, Birds with a Friends Jeopardy. Do you think there will be a robotics question? You know, did you see the odds for this? Well, they, the uh, the odds is silly because it's one of those like five dollar maximums. Oh, get out of here! Stop giving those sites any pub. Yeah, exactly. And then they they got they got uh, bet back down to what they should have been. I mean, Brad should be the favorite here. He's never lost. Agreed. There's no. I mean, he yeah he he's he wins every he single. He has literally thing. never lost to another human. He's never lost. Yeah, which is kind of like this is sort of a joke, you know. He like yeah, you like know, this he, idea he, that Holzhauer yeah, this like, doesn't define it, you know. I mean, he's gonna win, so it doesn't he matter. He's the best of all time, no matter what yeah. happens. I agree. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he really could have said, you know what, uh, you guys have it out, and I'm good here on my throne. But he's a competitor. That's right. Yeah. Well, I am glad because that guy got way too much pub. Last year, and I was telling people... I did want to see what was going to happen during the Tournament of Champions, and he did He did take it down. That's good. Um, you know, he went against a bunch of jabrones during during the run. Uh, I wanted to see how good he really was on the buzzer against other people who knew the answers, and he and he was, uh, he was fairly impressive during the Tournament of Champions. But, I mean, to lump him in right away in the GOAT conversation, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Well, we'll settle it. Not on the field, what should we say? In the studio. Settle it in the studio. All right. Whew, it's late. Well, whose fault is that? Mine. I feel like I talked a lot during this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we've got uh, lots of uh, Seahawks stuff to get to by the next time we talk. Of course, it is Kapadia Week. But for now, for Zach and Shield. And the dead mouse that was here uh, several hours ago. I'm Bo, and as always, we love you.